If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Psalms 27, specifically verse 6. For those of you who don't know, my name is Ricky Spindler, and I'm the lead pastor here. And it's a privilege to have you once again with us today. We are continuing our series as we look at, at Psalms 27. As I begin today, I'd like to I'll share this story um, with you to kind of set the context of the conversation. It was probably right around 15 years ago, I found myself on a fishing trip with my grandfather and my uncle. And we decided we were going to fish, because we, we love to fish, off the coast of New Orleans in a place called the Grand Isle, which is like fishermen's uh, paradise. You catch all kinds of fish out in uh, that part of the Gulf in the ocean. And we fished the first day in the bay. The waves had, were broken up because of the land, and we caught our limit, and it was just an incredible day of fishing. The second day, though, we decided that we were going to go out into deeper waters, out, further out, far away, further away from the land, and we were going to fish for sharks. You know what I'm saying? Go big or go home, baby. Come on. So we had a gallon jugs that we were chumming the water with and, and putting the blood in the water to attract the shark. And uh, some of you are like, ain't no way, brother. We off on this one. And we're out there. We've set it all up. We've put our anchor in. About 15 minutes into it, I realized this is not good because the waves are a little bit bigger out there. And I started getting a little seasick. But listen, I'm not going to be first man down. I'll be second, but not first. I look over at my uncle, and he's turning green too. And he says, boys, I ain't even going to lie. I'm starting to get sick. And I said, oh, praise the Lord. Yes, me too. I, I'm turning green. I'm about to what they call lose my lunch. I am like, I'm done. But then my uncle and I noticed something. My grandfather, who 80-something at that time, he is undeterred. I mean, this man is not even, he's laughing. He's got a smile on his face, laughing at both of us. And I'm like, what beeth thou this? I'm like, talking about peace be still in the Bible. This dude's like in the boat and like ready to take a nap. And I said, pops, what's up? How, how are you? You're not throwing up. And he's like, son, I, I was in the military and the army. I was on some big ships at the end of World War II in the Korean War. And he said, one of the things that they told us is that when you got out into the ocean, is that if the waves started getting big, if you were close enough to land, you always found a fixed point. You found something far into the horizon that did not move. So that way, when you had the waves, you could borrow the strength, the stability of the fixed object and somehow it, it brings an equilibrium to you that settles you in the midst of tumultuous times. I was like, well, thanks for letting a brother know that. <laughs> and so we had to pick up anchor after like 30 minutes and we went into shore and laid in bed for the rest of the day. But I thought about that. In Psalms 27, the author of it is King David. He's the most prolific king in the Old Testament. He's the ancestor of Jesus. Jesus' lineage can be traced to him. He, he has been anointed king by Samuel the prophet, if you're familiar with that story. 
but yet there's already a king on the throne. And so King Saul is on his way down and King David is on his way up. In that time of transition, he, he slays the giant Goliath, but then King Saul gets jealous and feels threatened by the young king and sends a nation of the, the nation's army to destroy him. So the entire military is against one man. So he finds himself, this is probably written on the side of a mountain in a cave, hiding the enemy close by. So this is some real circumstances. Think of him in the ocean, in the boat. Things got really crazy and could throw him off at any moment. And what you're reading is, say, in a metaphor way, is he is looking on the horizon and reminding himself of the fixed points so that inwardly he could move and make decisions without fear. So in many ways, he's talking to himself. Now, Psalms 27, we've identified seven confessions. We've uh, seven fixed points. Uh, we, you could say seven declarations of faith, the, the things that he looked to to stabilize him in a difficult situation. And we're going to, uh, there's seven of them. They're on the cards on your, your chair. But we've created a little video from experts on the seven confessions. I mean, let's listen to our experts here on the screen here. like that. It just sounds better with kids, doesn't it? But if we're going to put them on the screen, here's our seven confessions. And our hope is, is that you're praying these every day. Our hope is, is that you are saying them out loud. We have a whole um, thing that we do in, in, in our house around these. So the first one is, I will live strong. I will love God's house passionately. And then as I will hold my head high, I will have an overflowing heart. I will turn to God at all times. I will walk on level paths, and I will not lose heart. There's some really good stabilizing truths in those. What we want to do is we're going to speak today on that third one. I will hold my head high. And this comes from verse 6. It says here that then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy, and I will sing and make music to the Lord. It's that first part I want to focus on. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. Now, believe it or not, in the Bible, this is a common prayer request that my head would be exalted above my enemies. Some translations say that my horn will be exalted above my enemies. It is a symbolism. Whenever that phrase is used, it means this. Would you bring me to the place of victory? Would you bring me to the place of expectation? Uh, would you bring me to the place of hope? Would you bring me, would you position me in such a way that I now have authority? over my enemies. It started out that they were up here and I was down here, but because of your help, God, now I'm up here and they're down there. If you know anything about uh, military strategy, 
is you always want to get the high ground because of the vantage point and because gravity then works in your favor. And you want to be positioned with high authority. But when it comes to our heads, I want you to think of this. I want you to, the the word would be, uh, the picture would be the Olympics. And when you see somebody win an Olympic gold medal and they cross that finish line, I'm telling you right now, once they recover, hands are up. Smiles on the face. Heads are looking around and everybody is just excited because they've just crossed the finish line. Then they do a ceremony at the end and you'll see them, uh, they will put a gold medal around their head. And then once it's on there, they stand straight up, head held high as the symbol of victory. That's the picture I want you to have in your mind. That how ridiculous would it be for them just to keep their head down? No, 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 no. You've just been positioned above your enemies. And now you've been crowned. The scripture says he crowns our heads with good things. And so here it is. I'm exalted. My head is held high. But I want to, I'll come back to that. Because what that means and presupposes is this. Is that if a head can be exalted to a high place, that means it was first in a low place. That means that if uh, an exalted head means victory, then a lowered head, what does that mean? It means defeat. Have you ever seen somebody who's just lost a game and you look at them, their heads are low? You ever seen somebody that's in a discouraging situation? What I mean, maybe you've been there yourself. It's just, you're just cast down and you're looking down. Let somebody experience shame. And their head lowers. Or that moment when you realize that you did it and you're the guilty one. I mean, my dog even. (laughs) Let me raise my voice to my dog. The tail goes down and the head just lowers. Uh, One of my life goals was to run a 100-mile trail race on the Appalachian Trail. It had 26,000 elevation gain up. 26,000 elevation descending. So it was up Everest and down Everest over 100 miles to the Appalachian Trail. You started in the morning, you ran all day, you ran all night, and you had to run all day the next day. Now, when you're running like that, you have to constantly look at the ground. You rarely ever look up because you have to always watch out for rocks and roots and get distracted just for a little bit and you'll fall just like that. Now think about that at night where your whole world's reduced to a bubble of light. And you're just out in the middle of nowhere and you're just trekking along. It was not the first day, not the first night. It was the whole day, the second day, but largely as night set on the second day. So you're about 20, 30 hours in. I noticed something that never had happened to me before. I had been looking down for 20 to 30 hours, 28 to 30 hours, about mile 80, 85. And I realized that I lost the ability to lift my head. So I'm literally running into the finish line like this. My wife's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I can't lift my head anymore. I'm like this. So this is the picture we took with my daughter at the end. And I had to have her come close so that I could rest my head on her head and take a picture. You know, I thought about that this week. You know, it was the prolonged time of my head in a lowered position 
where over time I lost my ability to lift my head back up. You know, in a few weeks, about two weeks, we celebrate, not celebrate, we go across the two-year mark of the pandemic. And this, what we thought was, remember what we thought was all going to be over in a few weeks? Oh, it'll be gone. We're just going to just blah, 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 in a month and two months. And it was a year. Oh, when, t- when 2021 comes, it's over. And all these things. And it just seems like we have been in a prolonged season with so many reasons and things from the outside that are working to put our heads down. I hear people describe this internal state of their life right now. I just feel like it's just meaningless. I feel so hopeless. I, I feel as if God has left me in this season. I've lost my passion for the things of God. I'm so discouraged, Pastor. And now uh, we come to this thing is how do I raise my head back up when it seems like it's been lowered for so long? I want to look at biblical reasons that lower our head before I talk to you about the raising of the head. But the Bible gives some clear indications to us that reasons we might be lowering our head. First one is this, is iniquity or sin. This comes from Psalms 38 verse 4. It says this, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden that is too heavy to bear. A few verses, right, a few words before that, it says my iniquities are overwhelming me. Sin has a tendency to do that. When we begin to explore life outside of the boundaries of God or we're living life outside of the boundaries of God before we come to faith, sin just has a way of lowering the head. You ruled over it, now it rules over you. You thought you could control that lust or you thought you could control that greed or pride, but left unchecked, what it does is you got to manage it in your own power and strength and before long, it's over your head. Another one is just uh, the innumerable evils Psalms 40, the innumerable evils that are around us. Sometimes it just seems like everywhere I look, I just see evil at work, and it just is overwhelming to me. So Psalms 40 on the screen here, it says, For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me. I cannot see you. They are more than the hairs of my head, and my heart fails within me. One translation says, The evils have surrounded me. Guys, sometimes when we start seeing all that's going on, especially in this pandemic season, but also, and now we have a potential massive, we have a war, but who knows how this is going to escalate. And now it just seems like, oh my goodness, things are just compounding and evil just seems like it's having its way. Here's another one. Sometimes it's just the circumstances of life. Listen to this one out of Psalms 30. It says that the waters have closed over my head and I thought I was about uh, to perish. Actually, Lamentations 3. So what happens is, is just the complexities of life. It just seems like the responsibilities and things are, the water's rising. I'm trying to keep my head above water. Now I can't touch. And now I'm just fighting to keep my head up. And they're closing in over my head. There's another one. This uh, discouragement in Hebrews. Hebrews was written to a discouraged church in the midst of a persecution. He's trying to get them to remember all that Jesus is in the middle of that. Hebrews 12, 12, it says, strengthen the hands, the feeble arms, and the weak knees. Have you ever gone through something, guys, 
that hit you in such a way that your arms just hanged low and you felt the weakness in the knees? You felt like you were just literally going to fall over because of the weight of what you were carrying? You're just discouraged. Here's another one, a crisis. Sometimes a crisis out of nowhere. Listen to what it says in Job, about Job. It says, then they sat on the ground with him. This is Job. This is after he's lost his, his money, he's lost his fortune, he's lost his family, his children. It says, then they sat on the ground. This is his friends with him for seven days and seven nights. And no one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. I just picture him sitting on a rock, his head hang low in his hands as the grief just flowed through him. It's a lowering over the heads. Then you see here, Job again. This is not true, but this is how he felt. Job 19.10. This is when you believe that God is against you, actively working against you. He said, he tears me down on every side till I am gone. He uproots my hope like a tree. His circumstances were so dire that the lowering of his head for him meant that God is now at work against me. That's the only plausible explanation I can come up with. And many of us may feel one of those or multiple of those. But there are promises in Scripture of what God wants to do. I was just reading this in our Bible reading. Psalms 114, it says that God looks down from far above and he lifts me up out of a low place. He looks down and he lifts up. He looks down and he lifts our heads up. Here's what Psalms 3, verse 3. Let me give you some scriptures. I would write these down. I would pray these over my life. Psalms 3, verse 3. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory. You are the one who lifts my head. So part of the work is he lifts my head up. Here's what it says in Isaiah 40, verse 26. And this is a good thing for us to remember. That is the greatness of God and the power of the Lord. Listen to what Isaiah says. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Look to the heavens. Who created all these things? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. He's talking about the stars in the sky. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. So he's saying, look around you at nature. It declares to you God's greatness and his power at work. And that, what it, the, the inclination there is, is that that power and strength is available for you. Lift up your eyes. Then it says this in Leviticus 26, verse 13. He's describing, this is God talking to Moses, and he's talking to the Israelites, and he's reminding them how he brought them up out of Egypt. 450 years of slavery. They were under the rule of Pharaoh for 450 years. And the scripture says this, when he brought them out of bondage, the ten plagues, when he brought them out of that, the scripture says that he put it in the hearts of the Egyptians. He, they were such a stench, it says, in the nostrils of those of the oppressors, the Egyptians, that they paid them to leave. Oh, now that's good. In other words, when God set them free, they plundered the enemy. 
It says that God caused them to give the silver and the gold to them as they left. All of their resources, all of their uh, the clothing, the sandals and stuff. Uh, God paid for the crews on the way out. I mean, come on, somebody. But listen to what he says. He reminds them of that in Leviticus 26. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you, here it is, to walk with heads held high. You could have, I mean, you've been a slave for 450 years. Your people been a slave for 450 years. You have every excuse to walk out of there oppressed, guilt, shame as a nobody. But God said, no, 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 no. When I delivered you, you walked out of there with your heads held high. Oh, that's good. That's a word for somebody. Some of you come from generations of addictions, generations of abuse, generations of alcohol abuse, generations of people in and out of prisons, generations of assault, generations of things. And listen, and then Jesus comes in your life. The Bible says the anointing breaks the yoke of sin. It does. It's powerful. It can end years and decades of slavery, the slave to sin over your life. And when you walk up out of that, you don't have to walk with guilt and shame of your past. You can walk out with your head held high. You're a new creation. You're different. Ooh, I mean, I could go a whole sermon on that one. I'm driving the car back on the road, somebody. My wife always says when I drive, I just swerve between the lanes a little bit. Come on. Here's another one. Don't laugh at that, bro. <laughs> Psalms 147, it says this, that the Lord lifts up the humble. He lifts up the humble. He sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. When you pray, when you fast, when you humble yourself before the Lord, or you're in circumstances that are humbling you, you're in a good place. Because then the Lord can lift you up out of that place. Micah 7, verse 8, he says this, Do not gloat over me, enemy. Ooh, I like that. Sometimes you just got to talk. He says, Though I've fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in the darkness, the Lord will be my, my light. I like this. Some of us, we feel like we've just fallen. Maybe we've just fallen from, uh, fallen from the disciplines of praying and reading the, the, our praying and then reading the scriptures. Sometimes we can just feel like, man, things were going good, but I fall, I fell, and I fell up short in this area. Listen, it's one thing to go down. It's a whole other thing to, to, to stay down. And when you get down, get up really quick. Don't wait for the 10 count. Get up. The devil, many of you, tried to count you out over the last, ten, two, last two years. I mean, you were down for the count. One, two, listen, but you still kicking some. Hey, turn to your neighbor and say, you still kicking? Hey, turn to your other neighbor and say, you look better than I thought you would after two years. <laughs> if that's your wife, don't say that though. <laughs> Just look at me, you guys. I love that. Don't gloat over me, my enemy. Proverbs, se Proverbs says this, so the righteous fall seven times. They get up again. And there's another one. And then close with this. Luke 13. This is Luke 13, beginning in verse 10. There's a scene that really fits this uh, topic today. And Jesus is teaching at the temple. And at that time, there would have been thousands of people there. So I want you to think of thousands of people showing up 
on a, on, a, on a church service. This would have been on a Saturday for Jesus. Jesus is teaching, and it says that Jesus noticed somebody. You know what I love about Jesus is that this was common in his ministry. There would be thousands around, but he never lost the ability to notice the one. And you're in a large crowd today. You, there's people all over this room. But I want you to know that Jesus is very personal and he notices you. The scripture says that he noticed a woman. And then he described the scriptures, described the woman. It says that she was bent over and that her head hung low. So she was bent over, her back was arched, and her head had a constant view of the ground. And no doubt she must have been walking through the crowd and Jesus points her out. He, he says he went over to her. Says he lays his hands on her and then says these words. I like it how the King James puts it. Woman, thou art loosed. What Jesus discerned in that moment was that though it was expressing itself in a physical way, there were spiritual components that were oppressing her, that were causing her to be bent over and to hold her head low. Jesus lays his hands upon her. I think he put it on her head. It said, woman, thou art loosed. But here's what the scripture says. It says, when he did that, the woman stood straight up. Now in the Greek, doesn't come through in the English, but in the Greek, that word literally means that she stood erect. It means that she stood perpendicular to the earth. I mean, you couldn't get no more straight up and down. I'm talking 90 degree angle kind of stuff we're talking about here. My prayer today has been this, is that you would have a sense that Jesus noticed you. That Jesus would stop a crowd, stop in the middle of a service right now. And if you're in a situation where you feel like, I'm not talking physically, though it could be. I'm talking about spiritually, man. Oh, my head's just hung over low. And you'd want Jesus to have a word for you. To stop in a crowd and to figuratively put his hands on you and say, thou art loosed. So that you can leave here today with your head held high. That's good. I want to show you this picture again. I want to show you the picture of my daughter and I. If we could put that back up on the screen. Only because I think my, my daughter's cute and I want to see her again. That's cute. But guys, I want you to notice something. Maybe you didn't notice this the first time. I'm, my head's on her head. Look what's around her neck. It's the metal. I'm running 100 miles. Now watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. I think that's interesting. I did all the work. And she gets to wear the medal. She's like, Dad, I want that. Woo, puts it right up on me. Guys, oh, isn't that just a beautiful picture of Jesus? Isn't it a beautiful picture? He does all the work for you. And you get to hold your head high. I know I'm preaching to somebody. If you got the hanky, you better bring it out now. Come on, somebody. Well... Too bad we don't got an organ up in here, Richard. We play that organ right now. Let it fly. Well, but that's the truth. So listen, 
If you feel bound by sin and your head's hanging low, the scripture says in Isaiah, come now, let us reason together. Let us have a conversation. Though your sins are red like crimson, they shall be made as white as snow. He has a word for you. He'll lift your head up. If you're concerned and you're worried, the scripture says about the evils that are surrounding you that are too much to count. The Bible says in Colossians that you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. That he, he can give you a whole new outlook. He rules and reigns and you can. He can pull your head all the way up. He can. And if you're here and you're just bound by the circumstances of life, it seems like pressures are compounding. The scripture says, cast your cares upon me. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. He could take that right up off of you. I mean, listen, the scripture says that you are in a crisis, man. You, like Job, man, listen, you are in it. And you feel like God's abandoning you. The scripture says the sparrow doesn't even come to the ground. I know the hairs on your head. Be reminded he can lift you up out of that circumstance. I'm telling you, he notices you and he's got a word for you this morning. Be thou loose this morning. Are you with me?